Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. All right, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. I'm sitting here in beautiful Warren County, Pennsylvania with Jameson Curtis and Kelly McGraw. What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Just uh, had a great mule deer dinner. Yeah. And that was awesome. Again, Kelly, thank you for that. Turned out good. That dinner, it was pretty, it was awesome. It turned out real good. And um kind of sitting here in daddy daycare i guess yeah little girls sleeping yeah yeah so uh made the drive up here to hang out with you guys here this evening after a really wet day i guess in pennsylvania here yeah i took the day off of hunting yeah painted the living room instead yeah look good yeah it does look good i didn't even i forgot (laughs) you said you were doing that today yeah yeah that's nice you said you were hurrying up so uh to get finished up yeah the plan was originally that that we were going to come up after we were done hunting, but it was raining so bad that uh, decided to start a little bit early. So you were you were pushing it, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm glad to glad to be up here. It's like I said, your house is in a pretty awesome location back in the woods. Yeah, here. pretty blessed here. Yeah, that's cool. So before we uh, get started here, let's start with you, Kelly. Just kind of give a little bit of uh, a background on who you are and kind of why you're sitting here. Hmm. Other than it's your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I grew up here uh, in Warren County. Went to school in Warren. Um, I'm a lineman now here uh, for Penelec. Um I mean, we're here to talk about hunting, so I'll just uh, say, like, you know, I've been... My grandpa got me into hunting, I don't know, back when I was probably nine maybe I think is when he started taking me out with him um as soon as I was of age to hunt he stopped hunting and I'll be honest like since then I've kind of like it's like been on my own I remember like before I was 16 when you're not allowed to hunt by yourself he would be like I'll watch you from the window like go out through his property and um so yeah I've been Definitely learning a lot in the last uh, 17 years, something like that. Getting old. Yeah. Yeah, getting old. (laughs) No, but yeah, hunting's my passion. Have a wonderful family here, wife and two kids, four and uh, almost two. So life is busy, that's for sure. Real busy. (laughs) I can only imagine because I'm not experiencing it. (laughs) You saw a little bit of it tonight. Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, the, the the wives are gone and you guys are bacheloring it tonight, yeah. but not really because you're daddy yeah. daycare. And well, like I said, said <laughs> you know, it's, what's the date today? October 27th. 7th? I yeah. think so. So, I mean, we're doing it tonight, but they're going to be doing it a lot here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I hope they enjoy themselves tonight. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. So, uh, let's get into you here, Jameson. You can take a drink if you want first. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Sugar Grove, Pennsylvania, uh, Warren County. Um, I grew up in the 
fourth generation oil patch. My great grandpa started it, and uh, grandpa, my dad took over, so I grew up kind of hanging out in the ANF just because that's where I always worked. And <clears throat> I grew up kind of hunting sugar grove, which is small blocks of woods, and and uh, <clears throat> and really small blocks of woods, a lot of hunters, a lot of Amish, and not a lot of mature deer. And I grew up kind of working in the oil patch, and every time we'd be out on the lease roads and stuff, you'd see, a, like, a monster buck. And it wasn't until I was, oh, what year was it, Kelly, when I first hunted up at the reservoir? It's probably 2013. Yeah, 2013. Uh, so I, I said, we started hunting out west, and we started to learn of the adventures of hunting out west, and and how awesome it was just to be in a remote area and to be in deep, and just the feeling of of that adventure. And and uh, so then I started taking the wave runner in up at the dam and to the remote areas up at the reservoir, thinking I was getting way back in when I could have came in from the road on the other side and probably cut a lot of time out, but yeah. <laughs> it was all part of the experience. But I, I had my pack and my climber on my back riding the wave runner across the dam, pretty stupid stuff. But uh, <laughs> I, the first time I went in there, I, I, I hit a big buck and, and never found him, but uh, that was my hook on on the A&F and hunting in this area. And ever since then, I've been kind of on the big woods kick and kind of left my family and and everyone back to hunt Sugar Grove and all the young bucks and it's it's a tough situation there with the whole leaving your family behind to do to do because there's so much family tradition in hunting that you uh, kind of left that behind to go pursue the big woods and and not hunting with my family and and uh, I won't get too deep into hunting just yet but. Uh, yeah, that's been my life. I learned everything from myself. I don't come from a long line of of very uh, successful hunters. My dad was a hunter, but uh, I wouldn't say he was on to mature deer all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of been Kelly and I's adventure the last few years is just trying to learn mature deer and learn where they bed and where they hang out. And uh, it's been a good ride so far. We're learning a lot, still struggling, but we're learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a, a learning process. That's for sure. Like your intro is better than mine. Well, you talk more <laughs> about your family. Yeah. Which is lame. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like I went straight to hunting. Yeah. That's usually what I do. <laughs> that's why my wife's always mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, th I thought that was a pretty good intro, Kelly. Oh, thank you, know? you Bo. Thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to build them up or otherwise yeah. down yeah. the rest of the podcast, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's got a comeback coming. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be waiting for it. But uh, yeah, so and the reason I guess that I'm up here with you guys is back in 2014, I believe, I'd found a video of yours uh, online that was recommended to me called Pursuing the Allegheny. And before getting into kind of that, that whole video, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about it, but kind of what um, Jameson was talking about here with taking a, you know, taking the wave runner in across the reservoir and everything else was hunting big woods. And I'd never seen anybody else produce a video, especially of the quality you guys did on hunting big woods, Pennsylvania deer and, you know, in the Allegheny national forest. And that was, that was cool to me. And after that, I started following along with the rest of your guys' videos under your company wild at heart. So 
do you guys kind of want to get into what Wild at Heart is and why you kind of started producing these videos and and the quality of it is, is like I said, is top notch. <laughs> James pointing at me. Yeah, <laughs> come back. <clears throat> Let's see here. Wild at Heart. Where did it begin? Uh, backcountry intro. Yeah, well, I think we can go even further than that. Like, yeah, I guess yeah. That was our first year ever hunting out west, right? Yep. So let's let's go even further than that. Jame and I uh-huh. are the same age from different schools in the same county. Um, like in high school, we weren't friends. We like were kind of from like you know rivaling compete, schools. yeah, rivaling schools and um. So, like, you know, we weren't friends. We probably, like, looked at each other, like, point guard on the opposite basketball team. Like, look at that. Look at that guy. Thinks he's cool, you know. <laughs> but uh, I can remember one day being down playing softball, of all things, in college at that point, And Jame, for whatever reason, came up to me and asked me to go hunt Ohio with him. <laughs> yeah. I know where this the is The pig going. farm. Yeah, the pig farm. The pig farm. We, uh, we won't get into that story. We slept in tents next to a pig farm. They had fans blowing out. <laughs> the fans sucked yeah. all the air out of the out of the manure, like the manure pig farm, and and blowing out of one end. You think we would have went to the other end? No, where it we wasn't slept blowing. Right there, yeah, we went to the end where the fans blow yeah. the shit all over you. <laughs> yeah, and we just smelled it the whole time. Uh, so that was our first like bonding experience, the pig farm hunt in yeah. Ohio. So if um, you make it through that, you can make it through anything. Yeah, I we think were, so. We were bonded at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see. So from there, we just, I think we watched like some old Eastman stuff with like Cameron Haynes and Nate Simmons. And uh, we're like, you know, that looks fun. We should we should go try that some year. And it seemed like a far-fetched thing. But as soon as we were like out of college, had a job, vacation, we decided to go for it. We went to Montana of all places to do your first ever backcountry hunt right outside of like the Yellowstone border thick grizzly country like we didn't we had no clue what we were getting into and uh we actually took cameras with us for whatever reason I don't know why we thought we were gonna like make a good film of it. yeah I don't know I don't know what we were thinking yeah but uh yeah so we you know we went on that hunt we got some footage that actually some of it turned out pretty good and Jame out of nowhere like kind of put this little like trailer thing together so I think like from the filming standpoint that's where that all started like he put that together we put it online and some people were like oh that's pretty cool once you get that little bit of like people liked what you did Mm -hmm. then maybe you want to like try and get better at it and I would say is from the filming standpoint that's kind of how wild at heart grew from that hunt I would say um it also, Wild at Heart, we get our name from the book Wild at Heart, which, like, prior to these hunts, I think us reading that book, which I would recommend to, like, any man out there and woman. Um, Who's the author of that book? John Eldridge. Okay. And uh, it kind of, like, transformed both of us, you know, as Christians and just just the everyday guy that we are. <clears throat> and uh, where was I going with that? Just with the the name, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So that's where we got our name, I guess. And that's just kind of, if if you read that book, like maybe you might know what I'm talking about a little bit more. It's just like the adventure side of a man and how a man's wired and like wanting to take risks and just things of that nature. So after that first hunt, we were really hooked on that style of hunting, adventure hunting, and maybe not like doing things, you know, however, like how everyone else is doing the mainstream says you should do things or or whatever yeah and and you know within that pursuing the allegheny film uh kelly had talked about the you know we had overlooked the anf the allegheny national forest which was right out our back door literally and we had traveled to ohio to this hunt this farmer you know this pig farm and we we never really put much time in around home when we had this beautiful place right out our back door. And, and like, we just overlooked the, we had these remote areas that we can get in and, and, and like take a shot at that adventurous side of us in our own backyard, like in these remote areas in the ANF. And that's what we started out doing is, is hunting these remote areas. We, yeah, half the time we didn't even need to, to drive an hour or to take a boat trip across the reservoir or to hike two hours into a stand when we could have done it right at our back door and hunted a lot closer to home. But when we, that's at that time, that's what we were looking for. Like yeah. we were looking for something different. Like everyone else is just parking by the road and walking in a hundred yards and hunting right by the road, you know, like we're hunting like, like food plots yeah, and food stuff plots. like it's that. It's all like mainstream hunting, you know? like everything you see in the magazines, like the, you know, set your stand here, wind direction here. It's like, you know, it's, if it was only that easy as they make it look in, in, in the whitetail magazines. But, uh, so we just said, let's, let's try something different. Let's go out and camp in the, in the mountains of the ANF and, and try to hunt whitetail. And then, uh, yeah, we just started filming everything and, and throwing it all together and made a little Facebook page and post stuff on, on Vimeo and, got some followers and some pat on the backs and it kind of just grew from there and it's been yeah. uh it's been growing it's been ever since until maybe the last year it's been a little yeah. stagnant but uh family life and work you know has kind of slowed it down a little bit but we're still passionate about it yeah. just trying to be become a little bit better hunters more successful hunters efficient hunters i guess before we start yeah strapping on the cameras efficiency is a big thing when there's two of us. So for us to produce a film, one of us is sacrificing, you know, like your personal hunt time, which when, I mean, we'll dive into tactics and stuff later, but before we were hunting like the way we are now, it was it was a lot. <laughs> You're giving up a lot because yeah, you know what I'm trying to well, say. Yeah, like, the year we killed bulls, you and I both killed elk. We didn't even have the cameras that year. Yeah, so we filmed out west for like two years, didn't kill anything. We're like, forget the cameras. Let's just go hunting. And we came home with two bulls. So like, <laughs> yeah. There is something to that. Oh, but, yeah, but for like, sure. I mean, but we'll get into that kind of story, but you guys wouldn't have been able to... Oh, baby monitor's going on. No, that's my dog. <laughs> oh, that's a dog? Yeah, that's my dog. He's in the basement. You could tell you're not a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The wolf's howling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Anyway, what I was going with that was you guys k- killed those two bulls, 
like you said, within like eight seconds of each other. Or it was crazy it like was, that. I would say within thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah, it was. So if someone was, you know, lugging around a camera at that point, it probably wouldn't have happened. Oh no that way! You no, know? it wouldn't happen. No, so, I would have chucked the camera to the ground and been shooting that bull. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been on film anyway. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, killing comes first before the camera. Yeah, yeah. some people might say different, but for now, for us, it's it's all about being successful and yeah we'll get there someday but yeah but like i was saying though with with the the films that you've done like I'd, i've watched all of them and like i said pursuing the allegheny hit home with me first because at the time i hadn't been out west yet or anything when you're up you were producing the other films but it's just it was cool if anybody kind of wants to see big woods pennsylvania whitetail hunting and taking it to another level like i said using boats and and camping and everything else that you can take that adventure side that you were experiencing out west and bring it back east and that can you know that can be had in any of the states in the appalachian region yeah absolutely you, you know and that's it doesn't have to be you know pennsylvania you don't have to go all the way across the the u.s to do that in the western states you can find you know time to do that even with you know you guys have busy lives right now you have really young kids and wives and everything else you know it's not as easy to to pick up and and do these you know extreme adventure hunts yeah but uh although you do that too but (laughs) Um, we find time yeah that's cool so all right then a little so i guess uh before we go a little bit further where would you said on vimeo is where you guys have all your films at uh youtube and youtube and vimeo yeah Yeah. we've been trying to put more on youtube just because you know that's where people are yeah yeah, Vimeo is Vimeo better quality. Is that why or what's? I think YouTube stepped it up. I think yeah, they used to be better, but yeah, I think it's pretty it much doesn't, all the same. I think it, anymore it's 1020 HD. Okay, yeah, 1080 HD. I was say because I've always watched your films on Vimeo, but I I didn't know you guys have them on YouTube now as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, definitely as far as from the whitetail standpoint, pursuing the Allegheny, and then I can't remember the names of some of the other ones. But uh, Consumed by Passion was a, a Western. Western film that was... Predestined was your black bear hunt. Yeah, we had a black bear film. Did you watch that? The yeah, black that bear? one's awesome. Yeah, it yeah. turned out pretty good. You're in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yep. That was cool. Yeah. With uh, Bo. And then... Uh, let's see. That was it, wasn't it? No, we have that Hunter's Credence. It's like a little short film we did last year. Yeah, and did you guys, you had a couple of them entered in the Kuyu Film Festival, didn't you? Yeah, that was Consumed by Passion and uh, Predestined. Predestined, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I remember when those those were in that festival there. That was cool. Um, so, all right, let's kind of dive into the whole Western hunting scene here. So, how many years have you guys been kind of going out West? This was our ninth year. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we're getting old. Jeez, I don't feel like it though. <laughs> no, no, you not feel younger. Every yeah. Day. yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just I try to avoid that. Wait till you get to my age. Yeah, I yeah. don't like that mentality. No, I want to hunt the mountains until I'm like seventy. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be, I'm gonna be packing out bowls for my grandkids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just saw I just saw a post today from uh, um, Dan Staten, who I've had on the podcast from Elk Shape. He had a picture of a guy. I don't know if it was his a family member of his, but a 72 year old guy packing out an elk. And he's like, I want to do that. When Absolutely. I'm, you know, 70, that's awesome to see. I mean, I just, I don't like when people say, wait to get my age. And well, not everybody eats, you know, fast food every day and drinks pop, 
you know, or soda. Yeah. Like, yeah. take care of your body, exercise regularly. Mule you deer, need... meat, and southern tier. Exactly. It's <laughs> you know? a mean combination for longevity. <laughs> Joint health. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Dad. No, you're good. <laughs> take you off track there. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. About longevity. <laughs> <laughs> no, just taking care of your body. Yeah. Uh, staying active, eating healthy, and mm-hmm. and and that's. I mean, my goal is I want to live till I'm a hundred, whether it's not whether or not it's going to happen or not. But uh, I want to be in shape enough to be able to hunt the mountains until I'm old. You know. Yeah. You know, if I can't hunt the mountains, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, hunting the mountains in itself should keep you in shape. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Well, that's. Too. I think that's why you and I stay in such good shape year round is because every year we look forward to that Western hunt and yeah. we can, and that's motivation to get to the gym and yeah. do stair climb or do, yeah. you know, some mountain tough workouts or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a year round process. It I is. Mean, it's literally a lifestyle when you start doing those, you know, type of hunts because no matter what, whether it's from a planning phase or whatever, and I try to, and I work out year round, maybe different stages on, you know, what yeah. I'm doing for it. But so that you just, one, you feel so much better. You have more energy, everything else, but also to prepare for the hunts. And I mean, you get the arguments all the time from people. You don't need to be in shape to, to kill an elk. And, and I believe that you don't, but it definitely helps a hell of a lot Can't more. Hurt you. And no, get me. Can't make it harder for you. That's for no. Sure. I mean, how many times have you set up when you're up on the mountain and said, man, I wish I was in worse shape today. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many times that you and I have been just like almost beat up physically. We've been on a 17 day hunt. Yeah. And then by, you know, by two weeks in, you're hurting physically and we're in good shape. Can you imagine if we weren't in good shape when we were on no. those hunts? We'd want to, we would have went home on day seven. Yeah. Like yeah. the, being or in shape makes a big difference. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And then like, like you can dive down rabbit holes on, you know, mental toughness and everything else. And I do believe there's some people that are more mentally tough out the gate than others. I think mentally, mental toughness can be earned. And I think that you can gain that by training and everything mm-hmm. else. And that was something we dove into deep on the last podcast with uh, Dustin for mountain tough, but is, so some guys can grind it out, I guess is what I'm, what I'm getting at yeah. with, with being a little out of shape. But I know for me personally, if I was out of shape in the mountains, I'd be like, all right, let's go get a cheeseburger. And, yeah. And, <laughs> well, I and, think there's enough like mental, like you get so many mental downs when you're hunting the mountains that if you had a physical down with a mental down, you would, you would want to quit a lot quicker. Than, yeah. A lot, yeah. a lot sooner. So if you're strong physically, and you get those mental downs that you can sometimes break through those mental ba- mental downs. And I'm sure you experience it too when you're hunting, and you get those such up and downs of emotions when you're hunting. Yeah, if you had those going with your physical, like your body was beat up. There's more um, downs than there is high. Oh yeah, are. that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah in so, any way that tells you difference, lying. You know, yeah. I mean, there's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these type of hunts aren't always enjoyable. No, I mean it's type well, especially two. for Eastern hunters. Like if you're if you're born and raised in the West. Yeah, like, I think it would in, come easier than. Yeah, I mean, those guys maybe grew up under their father that was a good elk hunter or something, and you come from the East and have to travel halfway across the country, or all the way across the country and teach yourself how to hunt out there, then you're not going to be as successful as someone that lives in the West. Yeah. And you're less likely, you know, a lot of times to kill. And then just that being unsuccessful sometimes makes you 
a little bit uh I think too like looking at the mountain like you know where we're from we have mountains but they're they're not the mountains that are out there so I can remember when we first started going out there you know getting in a couple miles and having to go a few more miles and like looking up at a mountain being like there's no way I can get up that thing you know what I mean but like to someone who was born and raised out there that might not be such a big deal but it's definitely something that like we've had to come over and I think like we're over that now at this point I guess what I'm trying to say is like the work that it takes say there's a bull up there at you know you got to climb a thousand feet and you work your tail off to get up there and then you screw something up which we do more times than not (laughs) yeah like being able to overcome that and like just know that you know maybe the next bull that you go in on is the one that you kill like you got to have that mindset which took us a while to get yeah it took us a while to get that but just know that if you screw up like oh well let's let's go after the next one yeah you know yeah and it takes a lot you know after I mean, from my standpoint, I've screwed up so many times. It's it's like, you, you, and I'm sure you guys experience it too. It's like, sometimes you're like, man, I just want to catch a break, you know, oh, you yeah. just have to keep doing it until you do catch that break, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, when your preparation and everything finally, um, meets up with a little bit of luck and, and it works out for you, but. Yeah. I mean, when you mess up, it's hard not to think like after working that hard, after all the preparation, you get a a good opportunity and you screw it up. Like it's hard not to think when you're sitting on the mountain all by yourself, like, why is this happening to me? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's hard not to think that. Yeah. So it's like overcoming that, you know, just, you got to just keep pushing on. Yeah. So with, with you guys hunting together, so you guys from the first year you've been together hunting you two Mm -hmm. for the most part. And, I'm sure that's a important, like having that hunting partner that it is. You kind after a while, I'm sure you guys can almost kind of guess each other's moves or what you're thinking or oh, kind yeah. of read yeah. each other's moods. And yeah, and we definitely you know lift each other up at times and can tell when the other guy's down, which you know that, that stuff happens almost yeah. daily. When yeah, Jameson did say he is the mood booster. He yeah. is the mood booster. I will give him that title. <laughs> He is. It it was kind of self-proclaimed. I don't get too many pats on the back from Kelly, but uh, I'll take that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I just try to stay positive, and I know Kelly does too, but, you know, when you hunt, when you're this passionate about hunting, you just just get down. That's just what happens. Yeah. And it's almost just a part of our life and how serious we take it. And not just Western hunting, but whitetail hunting around here too. And Kelly's already kind of off to a rough start with our whitetail season. It's still early and the better part of our season's in November, but you know, Kelly's already kind of. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, I know I would have been like really down and frustrated at this point. I've had some good hunts this year, but honestly, you know, something we can talk about later, but like I, I've just been struggling to be consistently on bucks. I know a few years ago I'd be down and frustrated and being like, what the hell, I'm not going to kill a deer. Where now I've like overcome that and I don't, I'm seriously not worried about it. With two weeks left in our season, yeah, I'm still not worried. I know something's going to happen. I'm going to connect. And do you think like, I mean, I know it's just like as you grow as a hunter, you get better with patience and, and keeping up that positive mindset. But do you think like hunting the West and putting yourself in extremely uncomfortable 
yeah. situations has helped you kind of oh yeah yep overall bring that back yep i mean that was the biggest thing for me when i started going out there and i've and i've talked about it before but just going through so many lows and and all that and trying you and you have to keep a positive mindset or you're going to have a miserable trip like you have to yeah. tell yourself that you're going to you know keep pushing through it and 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 do that but it helps in all aspects of your life from personal from business from you know work family hunting whatever it is i think that all um you know kind of brings it back around from from western hunting and backcountry hunting so when uh you guys were talking about a little bit earlier in montana as the first time you went out there heavy grizzly country and everything yeah. <laughs> so that that first year of elk hunting kind of what was it more of a learning experience? Oh or what, gosh, what was it for you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even know if we learned anything on that trip. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to have our first elk hunt we ever went on in Montana. I would love to have that situation back. Like, oh yeah, I mean, it's hard not to look at it as like God just like that was His way of hooking us. I mean, we had no idea what to expect, no clue. Yeah, it, we we jumped some uh, cows. And they went running, and we're like, oh, let's go see where they ran to. Yeah. So we followed where they ran to. We end up climbing, like, a rock outcropping and overlooking, like, 80 elk and, like, a giant bull just with this herd of 80 80 cows. We're like, I mean, we're from Pennsylvania, never done it before. I, like, was so stressed out about the planning. Like, this is a big trip to do, and... You know, we were both young, so the the money that we spent on it was kind of a big deal. And like, you get there, and like he said, we like climb this little rock outcropping, and we're like, "Oh my God, there's like a hundred elk!" <laughs> and then we're like, we look at each other, and we're like, "What do we do now?" So now, what do we do? <laughs> I remember saying like, "Oh, let's just sit here and watch." Yeah, them. let's just sit back. <laughs> let's just sit back and watch them, see what they do. Yeah, we'll make a pattern for tomorrow. Yeah, that's what we. And say. then the next day would come. Oh, what do we do? Ah, uh, let's just hang out and see what they do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're whitetail hunters, you know, like and not even good ones at that. <laughs> so we're like, we had no clue what we were doing. When it was all said and done, after that week of like real sleepless nights. Because we're in grizzly country. We were seeing grizzly sign everywhere. Well, and there was elk bugling. Uh, oh, every night. Like you, It was hard to sleep because they were bugling all night long. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we had, I was at full draw once. I had a nice six point that James called in. Um, he, It would have been a frontal shot, which today I would take. Back then, I don't think I knew that I could take that shot. Mm. Um. We were into elk heavy, had no clue what to do with them, scared shitless about bears. But when that hunt was all said and done, like, I remember almost crying on the way out when we took that so-called yeah. shortcut through Cub Creek. <laughs> Why do they call it Cub Creek? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we found out there's lots of bears in there. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being, like, physically beat down and, like, my I had blisters and I was like, I just want to be back at the truck. You know, this is horrible. (laughs) But as soon as we were back at the truck and like driving back home, it's like, I want to be back there. Yeah. You know, you like instantly miss it. Oh yeah. Any of those, like anything in life that's like worthwhile or memorable was something that you like had to work for and was like maybe even painful at times, you know, like you don't remember things that were like 
easy. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I I don't. Like yeah. you remember the things that you like had to work for. Yeah, and that's the stuff that builds the character. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we get home from our trip and I'd text you like that next day, three hundred and sixty four more days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like from the you know, the Western thing, that trip definitely hooked us, like without a doubt. And uh we went back to that area the following year and things were like completely different. Um, we actually kind of had trouble finding elk. An outfitter had moved in. I mean, we hiked our butts off. I remember putting on tons and tons of miles. Uh, took some advice from some local guy. He sent us up to like some billy goat country. <laughs> eight, eight miles in, eight miles back. Pretty yeah. That year was tough. The following year, we switched things up and went to Wyoming and ended up killing two bulls. So, yeah, the one I'm looking at right now, kind of up above my head, it's bugling over top of me here. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way it could fit in the room. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 an awesome looking mount and a giant bull. Yeah, that was first a pretty bull. good first uh, first elk. I'll yeah, that. that thing is a giant six by six. Is that what it is? Six by six. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. So, how did that kind of that story wind up? You guys were telling me over dinner a little bit about it, but kind of go through that that process and and kind of what you felt after you know after oh. three years of working your ass off and all the training and preparation to you know have that happen that was one of the coolest hunts i'll ever <laughs> yeah i'll ever experience yeah that hunt right there yep you know and uh we were saying earlier about like sometimes you know sometimes do things do come easier like that hunt was a planned like 14 day we had 14 days 12 14 days to hunt and we shot those bulls on the third day yeah. i'm not saying we didn't work hard in those three days because we definitely did but like that was one that was one we had coming for us yeah like, that was yeah yeah that was that, a fun hunt yeah that was that was a god give us a gift on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah for so sure. the, let's see the day before we killed those bulls um we split up in the morning. It was the first time we'd ever hunted this area, and we just wanted to kind of each go our own way, see if we could locate elk. We both got on elk. I think, sorry, Jane, but I think Jane missed the bull that morning, right? It was a long shot. You had your pack on. Oh, yeah, yeah, 80 yards yeah. pack on. <laughs> yeah. Not a very high, high percentage shot. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I was full dry on a young bull. At like, I mean, he was like about to run me over. So we met back up later that day and we're like, all right, we both found elk. We kind of knew where they went. We split up again that night, I believe. We slept in different spots on yeah. the mountain. Um, met up midday the next day. James was like, oh, that herd's hanging out down in here. We set up our tent, you know, kind of off the backside. I think with intentions of doing the old, well, let's just wait them out. Let's just see what they do type thing. And... uh as it got closer to dark, that bull that you were just talking about looking at, we were watching him, like, kind of getting a glimpse of him in the timber, bugling, wallowing, and uh, James actually said, like, there was a saddle off behind us, and we watched, like, some elk pour into it, going down where this bull was wallowing. James was like, I bet we could call in one of these bulls. I said, all right. And uh, so we, like, went towards that saddle. James stayed up top 
I dropped into the saddle and he was like, we couldn't see each other. He let off some cow calls and breaking some branches and stuff. And it, it wasn't long when the bull that you killed came through the saddle and, uh, I was at full draw on him. He was like 20 yards and he just never quit, quit moving, I should say. And like, I let down, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like once again, we're not going to kill a bull. Well, like he went up the hill to where Jane was calling and looking back on it, I heard you shoot in the moment. I don't think I thought anything of it. Oh, yeah. like, um, I'll, I'll hand the story off to you at that point. Yeah. that. <clears throat> so that bull come crashing by me about 30 yards and not even 20 yards. He was running full speed. So I drew back on him and he was standing there broadside as I, I stopped him with a cow call and I, I, drill him you know heart shot lung shot something and he didn't go very far i heard him crash well right after that happened i heard the herd bull that we had been watching i heard him bugle i'm like you've got to be kidding me there's still a chance that we're going to kill kill this thing so i let out some more cow calls and broke i think i broke a couple more sticks just to make it sound like that little satellite bull had come through and was getting in on the action and uh I heard that bull bugle again and he was really close. And I'm like, man, he's got to be, he's got to be right by Kelly. And, and then Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> back to you. Yeah. So after, <laughs> well, I'm going to back up a little bit after that bull went through. I'll be honest. Like I was feeling down. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not going to kill a bull again. And, uh, I mean, not much time had passed, like less than 30 seconds. And this big bull had like a certain bugle to him that, it was, uh, I don't know, we had kind of, uh, we had listened to him bugle. He probably bugled how many hundred times oh, yeah, in an hour frame, like time frame. So when I heard him bugle, I was like, oh my gosh, that herd bull's coming. Like he's so worked up about that satellite bull possibly getting this cow that was actually Jameson. <laughs> he's like not going to let this happen. Well, I had like let my guard down after that bull went through and like left my cover so I'm like stuck in the wide open. It's like, oh my goodness, the bull bugled and just pops up over the, the ridge. And uh, I like, honestly, looking back, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. He he keeps coming. I remember drawing back on him at like eight or 10 steps. And uh, I think he might've caught me drawing, but uh, I mean. Didn't you say that I made, that's when I made a cow call? Yeah. And because he, yep. he picked you out, he did pick me out. But then, as soon as I made that cow call, he turned. He turned his head, and and that's and I drilled. drilled him at, like I said, eight yards or something. Man, so at that point, I didn't know James had shot a bull. James didn't know that I had shot a bull, and I think some time went past, maybe it's like a, five minutes. Yeah, probably five minutes. Where felt like an hour yeah <laughs> we were Let just kind of settle down a little bit letting things settle and then like james comes over the top of the hill and he's like fist pumping and then i start fist pumping like i maybe i thought he knew that i killed and i like you know we we didn't know what yeah happened. we were trying to figure it out so like james comes down and he's like did you kill a bull i was like yeah did you he's like yeah so we just i remember like throwing hats yeah like we were pumped we freaked out yeah oh and it was man. like 
it was like outdoor channel stuff, you know, yeah. like we were like Michael Waddell in it out there. <laughs> yeah. Got him. Making Crushed a scene. Him. Yeah. <laughs> right down the garden path. Yeah. Making a scene on the mountain. But <laughs> well, it was three years of hard work. Yeah. Finally came together for both of us within five minutes. Yeah. It was pretty wild. And uh, that's insane. Like real. It didn't take much time to figure out like, oh, like we have. <laughs> We're four miles from the truck, and we have a lot of work ahead of us. Two bolts out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neither of us having, like, cut up a bull before or packed it out or caped a bull, like, this was all fresh to us, and we had to do it twice. Like, that was a pretty – I mean, I'll never forget those that next 36 hours. I mean, we shot those bulls, like, right at dark almost – um, we decided to find yours because you watched yours crash or heard yours crash. Yep. We went and gutted yours out, you know, took some pictures and we just gutted his. We didn't cut it up at that point because we did, we, I didn't hear my bull crash or anything. So we gutted his, propped it open, went and found mine. Um, let's see, we quartered and deboned, caped my bull. I think we were done at maybe four in the morning. Yeah, it was. We hiked back to our tent. We slept from like 4.30 to 6. Woke up at 6, went and cut his bull up. We packed his bull out in one trip with two of us. You packed the whole bull out in one trip? Yep. <laughs> hiked back in. <laughs> we did that bull too. First bull. <laughs> yeah. We hiked back in after that. Um, let's see. We had to split my bull up in two trips, I believe. Because we? we had camp too. Because we had camp too, yeah. But it was 36 hours of nonstop. Three round trips, right? Yeah, three round trips, getting everything out. <clears throat> and we only slept like five hours the next night. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like we were saying earlier, like the, those times of suffering and hard work, that's something you'll just never forget. And that's where that physical, all that physical work, you know, time in the gym, that stuff pays off. It does. Yeah. yeah. You Got can it. actually crawl out of your truck and go get a burger rather than be so sore you couldn't move when you get back you know what i mean yeah the town or whatnot but yep man that's that's crazy I, I didn't even think about when you guys were talking about earlier that yeah then you have to pack them both out and it's your first time doing that and i'm sure was that kind of overwhelming as far as all right like i've watched videos on how to cut yeah. this out well that's all we had done yeah you know? and uh, i mean james had killed an elk prior to that and his family, he like he's been around elk, but I know for me, well, we never we never cut him up or nothing. We yeah. pick him up with a hay bale or truck yeah. <laughs> and take him to the Mennonites to have him butcher that. You know what I mean? It was all you know ranches and stuff like that. It was all private stuff. So. Okay, I just remember walking up on them and being like, I'm used to looking at deer, you know, whitetails around here. Like that is a huge animal. Like where they lay is where you take pictures. You don't prop them up. No. You can't, you don't move them. It's, I mean, it, when we were cutting them up, you know, you debone the one side and then it takes both of us to, to roll them over. And it, that was, that was overwhelming. Yeah. I bet. And two, knowing, I know like with my bull, I knew I wanted to mount it and I had never caped anything out mm -hmm. in my life. And at that point we were about out of knife blades. I was using <laughs> a dull Leatherman blade. 
Yeah, there was like a two-inch blade on your Leatherman. Yeah, you, that, you, that's you what I finished that caping out him out with. Finished caping it with that. <laughs> what, what other blades did you have that were wearing out? Like a Havilon? Uh, we had Havilons, but that was the first time, and I still use the same Havilon. That, that's what I use, but that's the first time I ever used those, and I didn't quite get that you couldn't put a lot of side pressure on them. So I was going through blades like crazy. Oh, snapping them. Snapping them. Okay. Yeah. And then, he, and then he kept slicing his fingers. Oh, yeah. I was I getting had... pissed. I was like mad. I was like, Kelly, stop cutting yourself. <laughs> like, we're four miles from my truck, and then we're another like like 100 miles from anybody. Yeah. Like, you cut yourself, you cut your wrists, and you're, and you're, we're screwed. Yeah. Like, stop cutting. He, he had like, he, his fingers were like Swiss cheese. He had holes in his fingers. I, I had the my middle finger, I think it was on this hand. Actually, like there's a little scar right there. I was taking the back <laughs> strap out and I was holding, you know, like you do prying it, and I stuck my Havilon right through the tip of my middle finger. Like, I don't know, you, well, you did it. that. It's not a big scar, but oh, yeah, you can see it was mark. like, I mean, it was bleeding bad. Yeah, but you stuck yourself a few times. I did. And I yeah. was getting mad. Yeah. I was like, I was seriously getting mad. I was like, you have to stop cutting yourself. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> Like this, this, we're just too far from anybody. <laughs> but yeah, we waste a lot of blades and, uh, and a lot of. Yeah, I don't even think I packed a Havilon. I think you, just you had the Havilon. I think I I remember I had a couple like nights you buy off Amazon or something that were just like <laughs> cheapos. Yeah, we went through those pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So did you did you have like cooler space and everything for two? We did. We yeah. planned on two, killing two bulls. Yeah, we planned on it. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me why <laughs> were, um were you uh was this in grizzly country also no okay no. so this was not so was it was our bit... first hunt outside of grizzly country and i couldn't believe how much better hunters it made us <laughs> <laughs> we actually hunted till dark yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like we would get out of our tents before the sun was up <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't blame you yeah that's funny because I was wondering, because you said Wyoming, I was like, a lot of, you know, Wyoming is grizzly country. Yeah, no, we were, and we were outside of it. That's, that's really funny. But, uh, so at least when you're cutting it up till four in the morning, you weren't looking over your shoulder yeah. and, and getting worried about it. I but. was still looking over my shoulder, but I don't know why. Yeah. Well, you, you're just in the mountains. Well, you're in the mountains. It's dark. It's a foreign place. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that was like our third year in the mountains. So. Yeah, it's not like we were experienced yeah. by any means. I mean, you, you definitely get used to it, but there's a fear factor in just being on, you know, something that's new to you and and, and being remote. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to overcome that stuff. Be It, it helps you to become a uh, more successful hunter. But yeah. fear is definitely uh, something you could go into into a you know a discussion about and conquering fear and yeah absolutely. it definitely plays a big role in, in how successful you are yeah so that, sure. that would be actually a good one to kind of dive into there because not for us though talk to like nate simmons or jared lyle or something like that <laughs> dan evans guys that hunt elk in grizzly country all the time yeah but i mean as far as like i mean but with that fear i mean how did you kind of overcome it with was it something that just took experience like yeah, your time. I think the more time or... you're there, I think like everyone has the ability to overcome it. I mean, is it something you just kind of got to say, like, I got to do this to get through it? You have, and... to, you have to talk yourself out of it. For yeah. Sure. And then it comes with just being comfortable with the more times you're in there. Yeah, I remember, I remember 
being in the ANF going in the wave runner we're talking about and hiking in a mile from there and being like so on edge, like first time and there's nothing out there in the ANF that's going to hurt you in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like there's black bear, but they run from you. They're scared. Coyotes run from you. Yeah. Like, we're the dominant black Panthers though. Yeah. yeah. So, but the more time, yeah. Sasquatch. The old mountain lion. Sasquatch the, here. the world, the Warren County famous mountain lions that are out mountain there. Line. Pennsylvania mountain lions that are yeah. crawling around everywhere. But the more times you're in there, like now it's just like, you know, I've been in so many times yeah. back in there. You don't even think about it. Oh, like bears, black bears around here. I have no fear of anymore. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, Yeah. but actually today, <laughs> I was just going to say today you had a good, <laughs> right in my backyard. This is a pretty good story. I, uh, was checking a camera and it's raining hard. And I like had my you face. You had no bucks on there. Right? No, there yeah. wasn't. There's no, no there's not a buck within, I don't know, 30 miles of here probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had my face in the camera, like it was raining hard, not paying attention much to much. I hear a stick snap. I pick my head up, and there's a black bear within arm's reach of me. I could reach out and touch him, and I'm Today. not exaggerating to make the story better. He was right there, and he noticed me the same time I noticed him. Like I saw his eyes get big, and I like yelled out of like it wasn't like a yell to scare him away. I I yelled because I was scared. <laughs> Like, hey! <laughs> and he turned around, took off running like they always do. But I think the more time you spend in our in our mountains here, like in the national forest or in our big woods, like there are a lot of black bears. There's yeah. a lot of bears. Yeah. The more time you spend in there, like you know, a mile off the road, like you're gonna see bears almost every time you go out there. It seems like opening week, I had one follow me to my tree, and I was kind of in a rush to get to my stand and like I was filming him and I just kept turning my back on him. I was like, I don't have time for this bear. I just got to get to my tree <laughs> and I'd hear something. I'd look and there he is like coming down. He eventually ran, but they're, I, they're I, more curious than they are. People are a little that. bit more scared of our black bears than they should yeah. be. Yeah. I, I had one come in my tree stand set up just last Saturday and 40 yards, which our season opens up on Monday yeah. now. Yeah. So hopefully he comes back in again, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, I, I don't know, just, I remember when I was younger walking to my tree stand by myself in Pennsylvania, I was scared to death. I'd be mm-hmm. walking in headlamp full blast, <laughs> right as you could get it. You know, and I'm always looking around I'm like looking, yeah. you know, in the woods around me. Yeah. And now when I walk in, I just don't think anything of it half the time. I don't have my headlamp on or just the red light or whatever yeah. it is. And you're just yep. moving. And I don't think anything of it and i know for myself in colorado the first time i was out there i mean no one likes to admit when they're afraid of something but i would get to the point where i had to get out of that dark timber before it was dark because I was yeah like, how oh, am yeah. i gonna find my way out of here there's all it is blowdowns if i get lost i get cliffed out or you know anything else or mount lion is looking at me in the tree you know those, those <laughs> yeah, type it's of things intimidating. and it yeah. is and but now i mean i'm not saying i'm still 100 percent comfortable with being in some of those blowdowns after dark but you get through it and just take your time figure it out and yeah don't, it's just you just you can't panic keeping you know? your head clear and yeah. yeah yeah it's easy to get all messed up in your head and start panicking but yeah you know, what was that two about. years ago now in our colorado deer hunt yeah after right. that stock kind of went awry and we had to hike back uh, a couple miles in the dark 
like through some cliffs and like it's not it's not always like safe you know like that was kind of dangerous oh that was extremely dangerous and for one we had a one of the worst lightning storms yeah. i've ever experienced I yeah mean, the whole basin was lighting up like crazy I and mean, it was just it was like lightning was striking in our basin mm-hmm. like yep. it was a crazy storm and we were trying to get back to camp we were, thought we were kind of in grizzly country no 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 what, what are you oh you're talking wyoming Oh yeah, I thought you misspoke the state. Yeah, I'm talking about the lightning storm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's another. That's a good one. Yeah. Too. <laughs> so we were we were trying to make our way back to camp. It was after dark, and um, we had went on a stalk on a buck, and it was the lightning storm was crazy, and we never marked in our GPS where we came across the drainage. So on our way back, we had camp marked, but we didn't have marked where we went through the drainage, and we knew there were some cliffs in there. Well, it was like an absolute downpour, lightning and thunder, and we're like busting through brush, like trying to find our way back through camp. Well, some of that brush ended in a cliff. Yeah. So like, I remember thinking like, all right, we just need to calm down. Like just, let's just go tuck under a pine tree, wait the storm out and then take our time. And I remember like still we, we, I slid down that. Yeah. Like, you kind of fell off. Yeah. Like 20 15, foot. Yeah. It was like 15, 20 feet slid down into a creek bottom. Yeah. Like on a, you know, that was. And we finally eventually made our way back to camp. And I remember the next day we were like, that was pretty stupid. Yeah. And, and here's where I think we're different now. We called it quits that next morning. We hiked yeah, we out left. of there. We're like, all right, this is, we're going elk hunting Montana. Screw yeah. this deer hunting. Where I think, you know, as we talk about overcoming fear and stuff, like that ended our hunt. That, that experience. That, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't the best, it wasn't the best mule deer hunt we had I and mean, no we, so if we no, were like on top tough. of bucks and we thought we were going to kill something we might have stayed but being that we were having a tough hunt and then we had a pretty you know rough night we just kind of said oh yeah that was enough let's go hunt some elk <laughs> yeah so. yep yeah so that's that's um like you said fear is just a topic that everyone has and gets into it, but not a lot of people like to talk about no. it. But I mean, it's, it's realistic. I mean, that's all there, all there is to it. No matter, you know, how manly you think you are or anything, there's always something might be different for everybody, what that thing is, but, but they all have that sort of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you guys kind of alluded to a little bit there, uh, mule deer hunting and, and I and without uh, I guess I'll just do spoiler alert. This year, you guys killed a mule deer yep. after a few years of hunting them there. But uh, what was what was that kind of experience? So did you start? You said you started with elk, and then did you decide? All right, you know, we did this. Let's see if we can try our you know hands in in mule deer. What kind of drew you to to go to high country mule deer? Uh, I think it was. We just have a passion for deer. Yeah, I mean, I whether it be whitetail or or mule deer, we just we love deer hunting. Yeah, and I think it was a little bit more along the lines of because we're so passionate about whitetail, it it almost is closer to whitetail hunting than elk hunting. Yeah, no, for it, me, like I can look at a three fifty bull and a three hundred bull, and I know there's a lot of difference. Like someone like. Dan Evans is going to be like, you're crazy saying this, but I don't see a big difference in them. But if I look at, you know, talk, like say a mule deer, if you look at something that's 150 or 200, like that 200 inch deer is like 
there's something special to me about just a big deer. Yeah. I don't know. And I, like James just said, I think that's just, yeah, we just like deer and we really came to love where those deer live, like the high country. Mm-hmm. There's, it's so quiet. It's like still. Uh, I think we like the, um, we like the spot and stock approach. Yeah. It's fun. Where we, you, you kind of got to be a ninja, you know, where elk hunting, you just kind of bust through timber and you, and you make calls. And I mean, there's different approaches to it. Sometimes people do spot and stock on elk too, but, um, there's just a different approach to it. Like we're, we were, we were born and raised to be stealthy, like to, to, and whitetail hunting was don't make noise, be quiet. And that's why we were bad at elk hunting yeah, the first few yeah, years. Cause absolutely. we were just so timid and just like playing like too far in the back seat, like just, you know, don't press too hard. Don't put too much pressure on them. That's just what you do when you wait to hunt or, you know, elk hunting that made us pretty bad elk hunters because we were doing that. Yeah. But, uh, for mule deer, it just, uh, we just love that. You just got to play it slow, spot and stock and, and get in quiet and try to shoot them where they're laying sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that the high country is like a, you either love it or you hate it. It's like one of them things like for me, when I first saw it, like that's all I wanted to do is get up there for, you know, elk. I mean, you can find elk in the high country, but it's not as prevalent as mule deer. Mm-hmm. Is. And, and actually where I've hunted elk the last few years has been at, you know, 11,000 feet up to 12,000 feet. And it's not typical elk country, even though there was elk there. And, but I probably could have had, you know, better experiences going lower, which I did this year and got in your typical Aspen country, but something about being up there in that high country with the cliffs and all the, all, and for me, I'm actually afraid of heights. So like, that's been like a huge overcoming for me to go through that. But, um, but just, it's just so beautiful up there and, and where the deer live and bed is just crazy. It is. And, and again, I have never physically put stock on mule deer cause I haven't had a tag, but I was hunting with my brother who did have a tag and watched him do stocks and helped do that. And it was so cool. And I just, I just haven't got a tag myself just because I wanted to do one thing at a time and kill an elk, which is becoming a longer process than I, you know, anticipated. But, um, yeah, so I, I get what you're saying there about the high country. Um, where did you, did you start in wyoming for mule deer yeah yeah our first deer hunt was in wyoming um i hate to even call it a hunt really like what kind of like with the elk hunt we had no clue what we were doing and we kind of ran into pressure issues we hiked in early like two or three days early before the season opened we found a lot of bucks like right in the drainage that that we wanted to go like our plan a um, I think that morning before opening day, we glassed up like 24 bucks and we were like, there's no way we're not going to kill a deer. You know, we were, we were pretty excited. And then we had other hunters move in like a few different groups. They blew the basin up. We tried relocating to find some deer. We did find deer, but just in a pretty like unhuntable basin. It was pretty tough. It was almost impossible to come in from above like you want to. Um, so, I mean, we didn't really even, 
We didn't do much stalking on that trip. No, I don't know if we did any. I don't think I wouldn't say that we did. Oh, that the the one in the storm that was the only yeah. one potential stock that we and did. It, it was kind of. I mean, we waited way too long. Like we tried going in on a stock when he was already back up on his feet at night. So, yeah. So we started in Wyoming. That while that sounded bad, like that hunt did did kind of like draw us, want us to come back to mule deer. Um, we. Let's see, I drew a tag in Colorado, um, so that was two years ago. Uh, we hunted like nine days there, and the last two days, it took us till like, you know, the eighth and ninth day to get close to killing anything, <clears throat> and I think I was at 90 yards two nights in a row. Um, one was a giant. One was a huge buck that we were watching all week. Um, so after that brought us to this year because that Colorado was two years ago then this fall um we have a good friend uh Jared Lyle he's uh with Hunt and Fool um he helped us out to get some Nevada tags he thought he had hunted elk in Nevada central Nevada and killed a big bull the year before and he was like hey you guys should go here I saw a lot of a lot of deer we ended up drawing a tag that wasn't exactly in the area that he hunted but we were excited nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, so this year was Nevada, and we, Nevada was cool. Nevada so did was. Did you both draw tags? In Nevada, we did. You did? Okay. Yep. Um, we saw a lot of deer, a lot of deer. Um, not too many big bucks, actually. And I'm not saying they're, they're probably there. We covered a lot of ground and a lot of glass, and, yeah. And we saw a lot of deer, but. We just felt like there should have been more mature buck than yeah. there was, and we yeah. just didn't see it. Which ultimately led to, which I'm I'm happy that it happened. Like, I'm not saying we're trophy hunters. Like, we we're not good enough to be trophy hunters. But you know, everyone wants to kill the big buck. You know, yeah. Um, the buck I killed this year, he was uh, he was a young deer, but us not seeing any big bucks kind of like led to well here's this group of young bucks bedded less than a quarter mile from us. Like, I think we should, one of us should try and do this. And, uh, that whole, the whole story was pretty awesome though. Like me, you and Travis Birch were, were up on the cliff and we were watching some more mature bucks on the other side, all the way across the drainage by like what, two miles away. Yeah. And, uh, these younger buck were kind of working below us. And we said, you know, we started, reminiscing about when we were younger and we we shot bucks with our rifles and or our first bucks with a bow and they were all like you know little six points little four points or whatnot and we were just kind of going back to the first bucks we ever killed and how cool that was to experience that first drawn first blood when you're you know so and we had never killed a meal deer before and then kelly i think that was when you said you kind of got you kind of got a little uh, <laughs> fire under you, and you said, "I'm gonna go kill one of these bucks." Yeah, yeah. it was just like we got to start somewhere. I mean, we've never shot a buck. You can't let these young buck walk by you and go expect to kill a mature buck. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to start somewhere. <clears throat> and uh, so then Kelly dropped in on him and ended up putting a good shot on one, and that was pretty cool. We watched the arrow fly through the air from up on the cliff, and yeah, it was. So I, I, the plan was I dropped around to, uh, 
there was like a little knoll that they were bedded on the backside. I dropped down this creek drainage to get up above them. Um, James and Travis were up top. And once I got above them, I was going to glass up. They were going to give me hand signals whether the deer had moved or not. Well, I like get to the top and I'm glass and I see them. And I'm standing there. I'm kind of like doing this, you know, waving my hand and they're not looking at me. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing, but I see they're still looking where the deer are. So I'm just going to keep moving. And I was just kind of like shadow hopping, like little juniper trees and um, ended up seeing tines like antler tips just above uh, some brush and I took like one more step and they fed out to like 50 yards and I put a good shot on them at 50 and um, so when I shot James the reason they weren't giving me hand signals is they didn't see me like somehow I got in there yeah you got in a lot faster because they couldn't see you from where, from where you dropped down. They couldn't see you, so you made a lot quicker yeah. ground than we thought you were going to. Yeah. So we went and grabbed a snack out of our packs. <laughs> we were pretty <laughs> hungry. And we were eating snacks, and then we came back and said, oh, let's go see what Kelly's doing. So we, we came back, and he made up a lot better ground than we thought he was going to. And next thing you know, we see an arrow fly through the air. And then, They were looking through the spotter. Yeah. We see an, we oh, see, you saw the We arrow saw his arrow, the... and the bucks split real fast. They kind of took off running. And I said, I think he just shot. I think I saw an arrow fly. And then this ninja steps out from behind this tree. <laughs> it, seriously, it's, it, like he came, he popped out of nowhere. Like we didn't even see him. It was pretty cool. That's crazy. And then uh, we saw him put his hands on his head and got him on the radio. And he said he drilled it. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah. That sounds like it. That sounds awesome. Like it, I like you said, I've never put a stock on anything besides the whitetail tonight but uh, yeah like just just i mean as far as like in the high country that whole experience and trying to figure out how to get in on them when they're bedded they're bedded in a location for a reason yeah yeah to escape danger their whole life 24 7 they're trying to get away from danger and predators to be able to get in that close and make it happen that's pretty sweet you know what i like i've noticed about spot and stock one thing i like is <clears throat> i don't get like the I don't get as nervous as you do if you're sitting in your tree in the rut and here comes a big buck like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're more in tune with like everything that's going on around you. Like you're in control. You're making the moves. And I think that like. You don't get caught off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're always exactly. focused on. The, you're like, yeah. And the whole time you can sit there and talk yourself out of your excitement. Yeah. Like if you're getting close, you're about ready to kill it. You can just, you can calm yourself down. Or like, it's a lot different than yeah, like, it's, oh, grabbing your bow. Yeah. Like you got 20 seconds to make it happen. Yeah. You yeah. Other than <laughs> and you're, and you're, flying through. And if I shoot, like, yeah. <laughs> your adrenaline's through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that, actually, that same, that, that when you were cutting up your buck, I went in on a buck across the basin and I almost, I was yeah. really close to killing a good buck on the other side. Yeah, you uh, spent like five hours in some rocks. Yeah, I laid on the ground for five hours. They would get up and feed, and I'd move a little closer, and I they'd lay down. I they'd get up and feed, and move a little closer, and then the last time they bedded down, it was like five hours straight. I laid there a hundred yards away. I laid, and uh, Jared always told us as close as you can for as long as you can. Yeah. And I knew I couldn't get any closer cause the, the, the risk was too, too, too great to, I'd spook them. So I just laid there 
five hours straight, and they finally got up and fed, and I almost got a shot off at one, but they they yeah. busted me. So I think, uh, being that you just said that, for anyone listening, like the best advice ever given, to, and I'm going to say it's for you too, the best advice ever given to both of us was from Jared when he, and it, it pertains to anything you're hunting. Like We were struggling on, uh, so it was the elk hunt. We went on the Wyoming deer hunt right into a Montana elk hunt. So we were like hunting for 16 days and we hadn't killed anything. And we finally got Jared on the phone and he was like, guys, I know, I mean, it sounds a little stupid, but it's as simp- it's simple. You just have to get as close as you can for as long as you can. It's That's it. And it clicked. Like, we're like, oh yeah, that does make, that makes perfect sense. If you look back to everything that you do when you mess up, it's usually because you like, Try to do one more thing that you shouldn't have. You got a little impatient in some way or another. Yeah, Yeah. you pressed in 10 yards too much. That very next day, very next morning, after he gave us that advice, we shot a bull. Yeah. I mean, and I think it did play into that. But ever since then, I've noticed that that advice, it doesn't matter what you're hunting. You could be hunting turkeys in, in May. Like, yeah. That it's the best advice I was ever given. Yep. Some, I mean, if you can get close enough where where your risk isn't that great, and then sometimes you let them make the mistakes. Yeah. you know what I mean. Where you're before that, you're you're the one making the mistakes all the time. Which, not to like get into the whitetail thing quite yet, but that's kind of what we're doing now with like hunting the bedding areas. You know, like we're sneaking in as close as we can, keeping our wind and everything right, keeping us out of sight. And then staying there for as long as we can and hoping that, you know, they pop up, let them make the mistake, which, yeah. you know, not, I want to say we're not experts at it. We just kind of started doing it, but that's your theory. It's, behind, like, it's uh, made whitetail hunting so much more fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're spot and stock hunting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I can't wait to dive into that whole aspect because that's a whole nother world yeah, oh, yeah. for <laughs> a whole nother world for it. Yeah. Um, to to kind of bring everything back around with the whole Western thing, and maybe this is something we should have covered earlier, but you you guys have went on a bunch of different hunts. You nine years now of planning hunts out west. What what is it like? From I know from me personally, and from feedback I got from listeners. It's an overwhelming process to plan something yeah, of that. It definitely can be. Um, can you kind of go through uh, a little bit, like w- what your process is and how to kind of keep it from being extremely overwhelming at the same, you know, yeah. same point? Um, I mean, can I cut in here, uh, Kelly? Before you rant, uh, <laughs> Kelly gave me the pat on the back earlier about the motivational man. Uh, this is Kelly's. This is what Kelly was born for. I mean, he, this kid knows units, he knows statistics, he knows states, he knows drainages. The kid's like a dictionary when it comes to (laughs) maps and numbers when it comes to elk. He spends more time researching and going over that kind of stuff than anyone. I I mean, he could be hunting fool number two. (laughs) Are are you for hire? Yeah, I'm serious. (laughs) If, If he wanted to, he could quit his job right now and start a consulting business for Western hunter. Like he could be, con- he could I don't know be if I'm that good. No, he is. <laughs> um, 
we've got on animals every time we go out west, and it's because he does research and he spends tons of time just going over numbers and going over statistics and going over units and and just Google Earth too, like picking out good stuff on Google Earth and and uh, yeah, he's legit. I'd say if you want to take advice from any Eastern guy planning a Western hunt, Kelly McGraw is the man to ask. <laughs> and here's his phone number. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> his address is. Yeah. We can just get better at killing him once we're there. Yeah. That's That'll a, just come with time. For more information, yeah. here's yeah. the social security yeah. number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's, let me try and get my thoughts correct here. Um, I'm going to try and make this not like real complicated. And when I'm, all right, let's say we're, we're going to a new spot this year. I would say the first thing I do is I literally just pull up a aerial photo, like an aerial map of the state itself. Um, and I look at things like one, I'll look at like the wilderness areas that are there which aren't always a good thing. Like wilderness can give you seclusion or it can give you a whole lot of hunters. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, Western it's hunting's over publicized. It's the end thing to do right now. Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about it now and like more people are going to listen. This might motivate someone to go do it, yeah. which is a good thing. But, um, the back country can be crowded. Um, you got to look, you know, obviously, you throw out the high profile units. Like most of what we're talking about are general tags. Yeah. Um, the deer tags were draw, but the, the tags that we're drawing aren't, aren't tags that you need, you know, 10 years of points. Um, so I look at like, for one, I'll go through the country that kind of catches my eye, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, I'll look at like, say a handful of units, three or four units, country that kind of catches my eye and then i'll i'll go in the on like the website of whatever state i'm in um and i'll look at like hunter numbers and success rates and um not just in archery because all we're doing is bow hunting but i'll look at like the rifle hunts and stuff too and just see how many hunters pound the hills in certain areas um from there you know i kind of Obviously, I like to pick the places where there's less hunters. Um, so, w- real quick, cut in. Where are you getting some of this data from? Like the statistics? just right on, like say it's Colorado. I'm going to the CPW website. Okay, and you know, like their hunt planner, and I'll look at harvest statistics and okay. hunter statistics, stuff like that. Um, fr- you know, from there, like you can't control hunters, so. I wouldn't say I put a ton of stock into that. Um, you can't control where people are going to be. You might pick the, the unit with the least amount of hunters, but they all might be in the spot that you want to go. <laughs> and that's that's happened to us before. Um, so you, you do have to keep an open mind to having, like, a handful of plans. I know it took a while, like, it took a, full, a few years where, like, I would have one plan and that would get spoiled. And then what do you do? Where like now we have like plan A through, I mean, on this mule deer hunt, we actually ran out of our plans. And this was like something you were like, let's go try this. You know, like we burned through a lot of 
It was like it doesn't always just happen like where you you go and plan A and you kill something. Most of the times it doesn't. Um, I guess like when it comes to actually choosing the area, you got to look at like what we're hunting. So let's just talk about elk. Um, like you know, it's I don't want to like overcomplicate. It's actually it's kind of simple, really. Like elk need food, water, and cover. Um, elk do like benches towards the top of the mountains. You know, like we've kind of learned that. Um, I like things that are broken up. I don't like a bunch of timber. Like I don't like huge chunks of timber. I like things that are broken up. Like my, my favorite thing to look for is like meadow, meadow timber, like finger, finger ridges where you're going to have timber on one side, meadow on the back. Yeah. Um, and like, like big sections of that, I guess, where like, if you burn up one drainage, you can pop over to the next one and, and find more elk. Um, like, I think you just have to find what you like to hunt, things that you like to hunt, things where animals are going to be, and just not be like afraid to, it really comes down to just saying, all right, well, that's where I'm going to go. Like, you're not going to, unless you know, like a really good friend that's hunted the spot exactly and can tell you like, Hey, there's bulls here every year. Like it comes down to you taking a risk and going there and making the most of it. Um, I think one thing that's, it's led us to always finding game. I, I, we, I can honestly say in the past nine years, maybe the second year of a Montana hunt was the, yeah, was that the was bus, a tough one. The bust year. But other than that, the eight, eight other years, Every time we went in for something, we found it. Yeah. Like, we went in for elk, we got surrounded by elk. We went in for, for bucks, we, for mule deer, we have got surrounded by mule deer. And, yeah, Kelly does a good job of getting us in the right areas. We work our butts off Yeah, when we get in there to find elk or to find deer. Like, if we don't find any exactly where we're looking, we'll cover... We'll spend the next five days splitting up and glassing or listening or, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we don't stop until we find something. Yeah, exactly. Don't if we don't waste hear time. anything, we don't sit around for three days trying to listen, trying to hear something. We move to the next basin. Like we're covering, yep. covering miles and miles just trying to. They're there somewhere. And yeah. and I think one thing that'll help too, like once you choose an area, like there is the adventurous part of always trying new stuff, which, you know, I think sometimes I'm starting to realize as you as you hunt more, maybe you get a little bit wiser. Like there is something to hunting the same places year after year when it comes to killing things, you know? <laughs> yeah. You just know how animals react to pressure, you know where they're going to be, where like when you're when you're always looking at something new, you're always trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Um yeah, by day, you know, 7 or 8, you're f- just starting to figure it out right before you're exactly, ready to go home. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yep. So, uh, let's see, where was I going with this? I don't know. I mean, what, like any questions you might? Yeah. So like, all right. So you're, you kind of told us how you're finding a spot. You're, you know, you're picking the location, um, from a, I guess, logistics standpoint, at what point is it time to, to move on or, or go through, to a different spot. I know you said, okay, say with elk, you're not hearing any bugles, you're not seeing them and mule deer. Do you give it a few days or are you just like, all right, this isn't happening. Let's just move. I think with elk, we're pretty quick to move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, Montana and 
we were hunting. Yeah. And we actually had a bull bugling and uh, it was like 10 or 12 cows. Yeah. And we, we just we packed left up them. and left. Yeah. Because there wasn't the elk numbers that we wanted to see. Like, when we're hunting elk, I want to be hunting 80 elk. I want to I want to be in the big herd because that's when like what just with the experiences we've had like when you find a big herd of elk and you slip in kind of the closest you can for as long as you can kind of thing you get in you don't even have to call you can find yourself in like craziness you know I mean just you're just so much more likely to kill and we knew looking at that one bull in that big basin we just thought these aren't the numbers we yeah. see. So what do you do? You spend a, a couple of days trying to kill this bull. You blow him out of there, and then you're and you're left with nothing. <laughs> yeah. Or you just pack up then, save your hunt days for better elk for better elk hunting, and you try to find. You might spend another day or two find, trying to find elk. But I I know when we moved, we moved into a good area and got into a hundred plus elk. Yeah. And then you ended up killing that bull on the wall right there. Yeah, that was. That, was that one was on film, right? Uh, we filmed the recovery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the hunt itself yeah. was on film. Yeah. Though. We filmed every day of that hunt. That was like 17 days. We were f- taking turns filming and stuff, and we had we were going to have to pack out that day because we were out of food. And we were like, all right, let's just, just forget the camera this morning. Let's just both split up. We kind of hiked down this drainage a little bit. James went high and I was like kind of side hill and we, we just split up. I mean, within, I think maybe five minutes of, of us splitting up, I was like, it was still dark. <clears throat> and I looked and thought I saw antlers pull up my binos. There's this bull with like eight cows. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's a little ditch to my left and I just kind of like snuck to it, hoping my thermals would pull down it. And it meant just the same as that bull. Like they walked to like eight steps Oh, I remember putting my, like, I had a five pin sight at that time. All five pins were on the kill zone. I, don't, I didn't name. But there was probably, <laughs> <laughs> there was probably 20 bulls that we were. Oh, yeah. yeah or yeah. plus, more. Yeah. There was a herd of 100 plus. That night there. before was wow. insane. Oh, we got into elk like crazy. That, yeah. And, but if we wouldn't have made the decision to leave exactly. that one bull all by himself, um, I don't think we would have ever been in that no. situation. No. Uh, that was pretty cool. We ended up camp, uh, packing out and running into a guy who let us use his wall tent. And yeah, that was much needed. Let us, opened up his food pantry to us and let us wow. use his hot showers and stuff. <laughs> we, we thought we were in heaven. Yeah. yeah. After just packing out a whole bowl on one trip. And that was like what, four miles too. Yeah. Yeah. I think back to the planning thing, like, um, you know, people want it to be perfect when you leave, like, because you are, it's a big endeavor, Yeah. you know, especially if you're coming from Pennsylvania, but you just have to know that it's not going to be like, it's not going to be perfect. You have to get that out of your head. You got to like, you just have to go there knowing like, it's not going to be as you planned. And if you want it to be a good hunt, like you just have to keep working until you you just have to keep pushing, yeah, till you find Don't what you're quit after. Till your hunt's over, exactly. And I, th- I think like while, like you know, I've been lucky to pick good places for us to hunt. More so, that is what has led us to getting into good good animals. 
just or, hunting as hard on the last day as you do on the first exactly. day. Exactly. Don't yeah. There's no give up. It's yeah. Keep pushing. Yeah, and cover ground. Yeah. Don't be afraid to cover ground. Like don't be afraid to get eight miles from the truck. If yeah. that's what it takes to find animals, that's I mean that's what you got to do. Yep. Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's exactly kind of what I wanted to cover there. Is there anything else from the western side of things before we take a little break and you know maybe empty the tanks here and and into uh, whitetails, dive huh? into whitetails because I'm sure that's going to be a a good one. <laughs> yeah. <to do. laughs> um, anything? I else? don't know. Uh, yeah, actually, I just want to say like I hear people all the time tell me like. Oh, I want to, you know, one of these days I'm going to go out West. Like one of these days I'm going to go out and on my dream hunt or whatever. Like I always, I think sometimes I make people mad, but I'm always like, we'll do it then. Yeah. Stop talking to me about it. Go do it. I don't know. You know, like you're only here once for so long. And it's, it's such a, I mean, I want to say it's a life changing experience. You know, it might sound a little cliche, but it is when you get out there and you're you're remote in the mountains and you experience some of that western yeah. hunting. It's just like it's it'll make a man out oh, of you. It's in your blood now. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Once once we did that first couple of years, I remember first year. I remember thinking like we're doing this every year. Yeah. Like if we don't do this, I don't know. What well, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be living. If I know, I like come out here. Sarah, my wife, has told me before. She like. You know, because I think sometimes people are like, Do you, are you okay with him leaving for a couple of weeks every fall? And she's like, well, I know that he needs it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's got to that point. Like, he, he needs to, uh, it's just part of who he is now. Like, <laughs> so I guess all I wanted to say is like, if you're dreaming of going out west or you're dreaming of going, I don't care where you're, where you're thinking of going, like, just go do it. Quit talking about it. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And, and again, I'm not I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole here, <clears throat> but if anyone wants to like listen to like a budgeting standpoint, I did a, a podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, with Matt Comment. He's from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania region originally, and he lives in Virginia now. But he's done some like dream hunts, he means sheep hunts and things like that, and talks about how to budget and put priorities. Go back, listen to that, plan for it, figure it out, and do it. Yeah, put it on the calendar. Whether it's this year or it's next year, if you need a couple of years to say, but put it on a calendar, set goals, go ahead and, and roll with it. So I think that that was a great, great way to kind of end that there. Jameson, do you have anything else to add or do you want to just dive into whitetails here in a couple minutes? Yeah, let's do the whitetails. Whitetails. Awesome. All right, we'll be back and uh, we'll split this up into two parts, I think, because uh, I think we're rolling it an hour and a half already on the (laughs) Western standpoint. So uh, we'll have a part two for the whitetail. So, all right. Thanks guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East meets West hunt with your host, Bo Martonic for more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East meets West outdoors and Instagram at East meets West hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time.